0: All right, so we've been doing this series, The Revolutionary Way, for a long time. It's been about eight months, you guys. And we've been going through, and we're, we're right at the finish line. This is it. So check it out. This whole sermon, this is the longest sermon that Jesus ever preached. It takes up three chapters in the beginning of Matthew. Now, you gotta, you gotta understand, to, just to fully understand how this ends, you gotta understand how it begins. Okay, Jesus is just beginning his ministry, okay? He's just called his first disciples. He's, he's, he's already done some miracles. He's, he's getting a reputation. People are hearing about him, and people are coming to see him. He's got a reputation. It's spreading all over. And you gotta understand, guys, these Jews have had a dark past. For generations and generations, the Old Testament is full of these stories of how the Jews were oppressed by foreign powers. They were made slaves, they were made exiles. Their, their past is full of brokenness and throughout the prophets, if you look like this, the last third of the Old Testament is a section called the prophets. And the prophets are basically God's words to other people and they say a lot of things but in particular they prophesy about a hope. Israel has been going through all this time of oppression and depression. They've been just beaten down, and they're losing hope, and they, and they feel like God's not there, and they turn to other things to try and satisfy them, and these prophets tell them there is a hope, there is a future for us, God has a plan for us, and that plan is called the Messiah. And these Jews have been waiting. The Messiah, the the reputation of the Messiah has been growing and growing and these people have been waiting and waiting. The people who are hearing these rumors about Jesus healing people, they've got this Messiah in the back of their head. This Messiah was like, okay, he was like Batman, right? He was a superhero that was gonna come and deliver the people of Israel and establish them, establish a throne that that would never pass away. Right, So these people are just waiting and waiting to be free from all these oppressors. And they've got this, they've got this Batman figure in their head. He's going to come. He's going wipe to wipe out all the bad guys. And then they're going to be free. And as Jesus starts this sermon, crowds are gathering to see him. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. He goes up on a hill so people can see him. And all these crowds are gathering around him, the Jews in their mind, thinking, this could be him. This could be the Messiah who's gonna take down the Roman Empire. At the time of Jesus, the Jews were oppressed by Romans. And these Romans, they had a huge empire and they would, they would tax these Jews basically into starvation. And they had military stations all around the Jewish lands that these, these soldiers would oppress the people. And so they're thinking, we could be free, this could be the one, this could be the one. And so he tells them this, this sermon. And when, when, they, when it begins, the people are thinking, this, they're thinking they are being, getting their orders, right? So he's like, this is it, this is go time, we're, we're ready to take down the Romans. Jesus is starting a revolution, that's why we call this the revolutionary way. And the Jews were very familiar with the concept of revolution. They, they, they have memories of this family called the Maccabees, The Maccabees were a a family of revolutionaries that actually lived the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's a bunch of years and a bunch of stuff that goes goes on between those two testaments. And the Maccabees, man, there was before the Romans, there was the Greeks, and the Greeks were just ruthless. And this, these guys, the Maccabees, man, they had enough, and they started a revolt, and they they got everything rolling, man. They were, they were fighting against the man. They had a full-blown revolution going. And, guys, this is the coolest part. You guys ever heard of the Sicarii? Doesn't that sound like a cool name, the Sicarii? Guys, the Sicarii are the original assassin's creed. Like, Ezio, like, the Sicarii are before, like, Japanese ninjas. They're before, like, Cloak and Dagger. These guys were the real deal. They would, straight up, just be, like, normal, in the society, in the streets, in the marketplace, whatever, walking around, boom, whip out a dagger, slice some dude's throat, and then disappear into the crowd. These guys were revolutionaries. They were undercover trying to start a revolution to overthrow the empire, the Roman empire. These guys were happening real time when Jesus was around. So the Jews know a lot about revolution. They know what's going on. And instead of outlining a political, military revolution, Jesus Jesus outlines something totally different and just blows people's minds. He outlines a revolution that takes place in your heart. And instead of hating our enemies, like these Jews just hated the Romans, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for the Romans. He's saying, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't like stockpile your weapons and get your armies ready. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He's turning their whole idea of revolution on their on their head. And so with that in mind, imagine the crowd of people kind of dumbfounded at what they've just heard. Jesus closes it out like this in Matthew seven, starting in verse 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by your fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, and I love this therefore, this is, this is like the final therefore, In in Greek, it basically is just like, because of everything I just said. So this is the whole culmination. This is the cherry on top. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Now here in this passage, in the beginning, Jesus teaches us how to distinguish between a revolutionary and a faker. All right, there was, at this time, rumors of Messiah were going so crazy. There were people who, saw that as an opportunity to become famous. And so they would go around. These are the false prophets. There's warnings about these guys all over scripture. And Jesus is saying, you can find out who's real and who's a faker by the fruit in their life. And he also says it here at the end, the difference between a wise man and a foolish man, the difference between a revolutionary and a faker is is the wisdom, is where you build your house. And this is really cool because when Jesus says wisdom, that, that's like a whole mountain of meaning that is flooding into these Jews' minds. See, in the wisdom, er, in Hebrew, the word wisdom is chokmah. Everybody say chokmah. Chokmah. is this huge term. It's loaded and it, we, it means way, way more than just like some ancient knowledge, some, some ancient wisdom that you know the sages have or your grandfather has or whatever. Hokmah is like is like being skilled at life. Hokma is is not just knowing what's right and wrong, but Hokmah is knowing what's the what's the thing that I should do in this situation. And there's a perfect verse in Proverbs that that kind of illustrates this. It's in chapter uh, it's in chapter 26, uh, in Proverbs chapter 26. Uh, the writer. Who's, who we understand to be Solomon, he says this in verse 4 Do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will be like him yourself. Here's verse 5. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. Now, here you see it back to back, two verses that say the opposite thing. And this is to demonstrate that the meaning of hokmah is not to know what's right and what's wrong but to know what's the important thing what's the best thing to do in this situation and this this is like i guess the best way that i can put it in in today's terms is like somebody with hokmah is somebody who's like got all the life hacks down right and proverbs is full of life hacks proverbs is full of hokmah. and i would encourage you guys you might have some verses on there on your little sheets some extra ones. Go check those out. Go see what Hokma is all about. But here it is. Jesus uses these two types of parables to, to bring his whole these two this parable of these two types of guys to bring this whole thing together. And sums it all up. And he says, Either you can follow me, you can be a revolutionary, or you can build your house on the sand. And for the rest of your life, you'll be waiting for disaster to strike and everything will come crashing down. You can build on the rock or you can build on the sand. And he, he leaves it, he leaves it right there. He drops the mic. And the question is, which one are you gonna be? Now these Jews who've got this idea in their head of what the Messiah is supposed to look like now have to make a decision. Am I gonna build on the rock Am I going to buy into this revolution that doesn't make any sense? Or am I going to build on the sand and keep on holding out for what I think is supposed to happen? And that question, 2,000 years later, still rings true for us. And so I ask each and every one of you guys, where are you building your house right now? Are you, are you building on the sand or are you building on the rock? See, this parable is told really fast. It's like, it's like four verses. But... Building a house is not a simple task, right? You got to think about building a house by yourself. That's going to take time, man. That's going to take energy, planning. And so this this endeavor, this is a big deal. And maybe you've spent a lot of time. Maybe you've planned on where you want to build your life. What is the foundation of your house? What is the foundation of the life that you've built for yourself? Is it, maybe it's in your uh, reputation that you want to have or a sport that you play or a type of music that you like, an image that you want to portray to other people or maybe it's just whatever you're feeling in the moment or maybe you've decided, thought long and hard and decided to build your life on the foundation of Jesus and to make your life about Jesus. And or maybe you're near neither of those. You haven't spent as much time, or you haven't spent any time, maybe you don't even know where you're building your life right now. You're just going with the flow. And you guys hear me as lovingly, I, I wanna say this as lovingly as I possibly can. I care about you guys so much. And I, I really, really want the best for you and I love you. If you're building your house on the sand, that is gonna end in failure, in disaster, in tragedy. Your life will be destroyed and you'll amount to nothing. But Jesus offers us an alternative. And he's he's giving us the the way to success. If you build on the rock, the, the, the rain can come, the waters can rise, and you will still stand strong. The idea of this parable is really cool because in Israel there's a drought season, there's a dry season, there's a rainy season. And so when he says build on the sand, it's basically the idea of a riverbed that's been dried up. Okay, so you've built in the bottom of a river that's dry, sandy, dry. But the wet, the wet season's coming. The storm is coming. And when that storm comes, your house is gone. Everything that you've worked for, all the years, all the time that you spent, all the effort that you've put in is gone. And now some of, some of you might say, like, how can Jesus say that? Like, I feel like my life is going pretty good. I've been, I've been doing my thing, I've been doing me, and it's been working out. How can Jesus say he's the only way? Sounds like a really arrogant thing to say, right? And I would agree with you. To, for Jesus to say that this is the only way to be successful in life, this is the only way to live, is arrogant unless... He's God. Think about this. If, if you were sick with a disease and you went to a doctor and you said, the only thing that you can do to cure this disease is to take this medicine, would you look that doctor in the face and be like, how arrogant of you to tell me that this is the only thing in my life that I can do? That's ridiculous, right? It's ridiculous. You would be like, okay, you're the boss. Like you, hopefully you've done your work on this. I'll take the medicine. But when it comes to Jesus, we're like, Nah, dude, like, you don't know what you're talking about. May, there, and there may, there may be other reasons that, that it's holding you back, things that you don't want to let go of. And over, the time, over, over my time kind of thinking about this and just in my own experience, I think the root of the reason that we choose to build on the sand instead of on the rock is because we don't like being told what to do. Right? We don't like other people saying, "Hey, this is what you have to do." We don't like our parents telling us when we got to be home or what we, you know, to clean our rooms or whatever. We want to be able to do our own thing. And that's that's I think that's part of who we are as fallen people. But if I'm going to take my doctor's word for it on what medicine I should take, I'm going to take Jesus' word for it on where to build my life. And you may ask me why, and I'm going to tell you this man came to earth, did crazy miracles, predicted his own death and resurrection, and he pulled it off. He kicked death in the face, the only thing that could hold us back. And he did that for you. Now, I'm going to trust that guy. I don't know. I can't trust myself more than I can trust a guy who can predict and pull off his own resurrection. Now, there's a world, there's a world full of sand to build on. There are so many things that you can base your life on. There's only one rock Jesus is the only solid foundation that will lead to our success in life. And you may think it's unfair or arrogant that he told us that he's the only way, but I'm just thankful that he cared enough to make a way. Like if, we don't want fair, like fair is is not what we want. It says in Romans, the wages of sin is death. We don't want fair, but Jesus chose to make a way. He extended us an alternative, he extended his grace. Now, I'm willing to bet that some of us here, myself included, have maybe spent a lot of time in the sand. Have, man, we've been putting that thing together. That house is looking sweet. And there's this thing. Rosemary taught me this. If you guys don't know Rosemary, she's my fiance. She studied economics in high school and in college. Um, There's this thing called... um, uh, Oh shoot, what's it called? Well anyways, there's this economic policy call, um, that basically s- that says that we as people have a natural inclination if, something, if we've put a lot of effort into something, even if we know it's wrong, we'll keep on doing it to try and turn it around. This is the reason why gamblers uh, like, get themselves into really big trouble with, with gambling because they're like, oh, you know, I can just win the next one, I can, I can come back from this, I can keep on going. There's this uh, there's this weird thing inside of us. We're like, oh, you know, I, I know I've spent a lot of time on this sunk cost. That's what it's called. Just came to me. Sunk cost. Write that down. Make sure you're not falling into the sunk cost trap. Okay, you've been spending a lot of time building in the sand, a lot of time. But I'm telling you, one brick on the rock is way better. Than an entire mansion built in the sand, you guys. And it's never too late. It's never too late to come to, to, to make that call, to make that decision. And I'm convinced that a revolutionary who builds their life on the rock stands for what they believe in. And maybe you've been feeling like the, the Jews, the Israelites, who man, your, your past has just been a past of oppression and darkness, and you, you're just waiting for somebody to, to make all of that go away. And, and Jesus, who says he's the only way, is telling you that it starts inside of your own heart. I'm convinced that revolutionaries stand for what they believe in, so I want us to buy into that. This is a revolution that has continued on for thousands of years, that has spread across the globe, reached nearly every people group on the planet, and is still growing. Something that you have an opportunity to take part in. If you tonight, for maybe the first time, or maybe you've been bought in for a long time, if you tonight are built your life on the rock, if you're a revolutionary, I want you to stand up for what you believe in. And I want you to stand up because, man, that's a celebration. It says in in Luke 15, verse seven, that there, I'm gonna paraphrase this, but basically, heaven throws the litest party ever when a new revolutionary joins the cause okay, it says, it throws, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one person who joins the cause than 99 who are, who are already bought in. But I like the word more because it, also, it, it, it infers that there's also rejoicing about people who are bought into the cause. And so if you're bought into the cause, I want you to stand up and I want us to, to just go nuts for a little while. Just go crazy, okay, for like 10 seconds. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reel it back in because, look, Heaven is partying, heaven is partying right now, especially if one of you decides for the first time that you're done building on the sand, you're done waiting for some disaster to strike and your life to fall apart, but you're gonna build on something that's gonna last. So if that's you, stand up. I want you to stand up. Woo! Let's go crazy, guys, come on! We revolutionaries in the house. That's what I like to hear, okay. Okay, now now listen, we're gonna gonna break into small groups. We're gonna break into small groups, and I want you guys to be thinking about, if you stood up, think about the reason that you stood up. And if you didn't stand up, think about what's holding you back. What are you building on? What is that sand that you're building on? What is it gonna take? for you to, to make that switch, to make that decision. I want you guys to think about these things and work through this stuff, and you've got questions. Man, this stuff might be complicated. Ask those small group leaders. Okay, I'm gonna pray for us, and you guys break into your small groups. If you don't have one, come up see me. We'll get you plugged in. And if you just wanna talk about this, you want you want some some, uh, some answers to some questions you have, come find me, come find a leader, and we'll talk about it. It's, it's really, really amazing what happens when, when you start building your life on the rock. All right, let's pray. Oh, dear Jesus, thank you so much for giving us a rock in a world full of sand so that when the, when the floods come, when the storm hits, because it will hit eventually, maybe it has, maybe we're in the middle of it, Thank you that you gave us a rock to build on, a rock that is secure. Thank you for giving us a foundation that when we put our life, when we put ourselves in you and make that commitment to be a revolutionary for your cause, that God, nothing can stop us. And so God, I pray for the revolutionaries in this room. I pray for the future revolutionaries in this room. God, I pray that you will continue to move and work in their hearts and that they will continue to take on the truth of who you are, of a revolution that takes place inside of our own hearts. God, I pray that we will always be dumbfounded and dumbstruck by you. God, if you ever become boring to us, help us to to realize that you are so much bigger than our expectations. Thank you for this time. We give you all the glory. So in your son's name we pray. Amen.